everyone. Welcome to the show. I have a bunch of updates to share with you about Donald Trump's legal challenges. First is news about the ongoing New York fraud trial. Former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg has been testifying this week. Well, his testimony was abruptly ended after an accusation was made against him for lying under oath. On Tuesday, uh, to start off with, even before they broke for lunch, Weisselberg had already said, I don't know or I don't recall 90 times, 9-0. In one instance, Weisselberg said he didn't recall ever noticing that Trump had lied about the square footage of his New York apartment. Now remember, Trump lied and nearly tripled the size on some documents. Eventually, Weisselberg, while he was on the stand, he admitted that, yeah, I became aware of the inflated square footage at some point, but they couldn't pin him down on whether or not it was his responsibility to make the accounting firm aware of this discrepancy. Well, the prosecutor also asked Weisselberg about a 1994 document that Trump had signed that gave the accurate square footage of his apartment. And Weisselberg claimed that he never saw that document and he only became aware of the issue, he thinks, in 2016. And that he said, you know, I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then he repeatedly told the court that he, quote, never focused on Trump's apartment because he said, in his opinion, oh, it's such a fraction of Trump's overall net worth. I didn't think it was a really big concern. It never really crossed my mind, blah, blah, blah. Well, on Thursday, a Forbes reporter published an article accusing Weisselberg of perjury. The journalist wrote in part, quote, a review of old emails and notes some of which the Attorney General's office does not possess, show that Weisselberg absolutely thought about Trump's apartment and played a key role in trying to convince Forbes over the course of several years that it was worth more than it really was. Given the fact that these discussions continued for years and that Weisselberg took a very detailed approach in reviewing Trump's assets with Forbes, it defies all logic to think that he truly believes what he is now saying in court. And the article details numerous instances in which Weisselberg personally pressured Forbes to include Trump's New York penthouse in his net worth. And he provided them with various estimates of the perceived value, his perceived value of the property. They always disagreed, by the way. Um, and their calculation was based on comparable sales. But then, you know, we have to ask the question, why would Weisselberg be lying for Trump at this point? Why would he put himself at risk of new charges? He already went to prison for him, right? He also no longer works at the Trump Organization. Yeah, well, it has come to light that Weisselberg has over two million reasons to lie for Trump. Weisselberg, along with his prison sentence, was ordered to pay approximately $2 million in back taxes and penalties. Well, what do you know? Weisselberg just so happened to receive $2 million in severance pay from the Trump Organization. One day prior to Weisselberg's sentencing, 
He signed a severance agreement with the Trump organization that provides him with quarterly installments of $250,000 over the course of the next two years. And the prosecutor pointed out that the severance agreement includes a clause saying that Weisselberg can't voluntarily cooperate with the New York Attorney General. Only if he receives a subpoena is he allowed to answer questions. So they asked Weisselberg about this on the stand, and he told the judge, you know, the fact that his severance pay exactly matches the amount that he owes, uh, you know, that's just a coincidence, just a coinky dink. <laughs> so anyway, he was kicked off the stand, basically. They called everything to a halt, and the um, Attorney General is now looking into this whole thing and trying to, to determine if, in fact, Weisselberg lied. On Thursday also, before that whole thing went down, a Deutsche Bank executive testified and said that the bank did their due diligence in assessing Trump's creditworthiness, but he admitted that the bank's valuations of Trump's assets differed by hundreds of millions of dollars as compared to Trump's personal assessment of his assets. Still, the executive answered affirmatively when they asked him if he considered working with Trump to be a, quote, good credit decision. So he said yes. Again, though, the law is clear. It doesn't matter if the bank did their own due diligence. It doesn't matter if Trump paid the loan back. You cannot knowingly lie about your assets on these forms. So anyway, Trump is expected to return to New York. He wants to stare down his former fixer and attorney, Michael Cohen, apparently. And Cohen is scheduled to testify next week. Um, next up is news about Trump's federal coup case. The special prosecutor has asked Judge Chutkin to allow potential jurors to go through kind of a mini screening process prior to the formal jury selection. He asked that the jurors be allowed to complete a written questionnaire prior to making a court appearance so each side can rule out certain jurors ahead of time. And he acknowledged, you know, this is going to allow each side to review their social media profiles. However, Jack Smith asked the judge to make sure that Trump cannot do anything with the research, quote, beyond what is publicly available. So he can't go looking at these people. He can't hire people to like investigate them. He also requested that Trump be prohibited from leaking any research or juror details to other people, um, or if he be barred from trying to friend or follow any jurors on social media. And finally, in respect to the jurors, the special counsel asked that they be granted, quote, discreet entry into and out of the courthouse. Um, the special counsel also asked the judge to order Trump by December 18th to reveal whether or not he plans to use bad legal advice as a strategy in this trial. This is apparently really crucial because if a defendant uses an advice of counsel argument, they waive attorney-client privilege. So that means that Trump would be required to hand over all communication that he had with these attorneys and anything else related to their supposed, you know, alleged bad advice. This could open up a Pandora's box of evidence because 
when the grand jury interviewed witnesses, 25 of them refused to answer questions and they cited attorney-client privilege. Um, and using this argument would also mean that Trump might have to testify, something that his attorneys undoubtedly want to prevent, right? <laughs> um, and Trump's attorneys issued some requests of their own. They asked Judge Chutkin to approve subpoenas for numerous government officials related to the January 6th Select Committee. That includes Congressman Benny Thompson, also kind of seemingly random officials such as the clerk of the House of Representatives and the Committee on House Administration. Um, he's also asking for the videos of all of the interviews and depositions that were conducted by the select committee. And in regard to Trump's classified documents case, the special counsel is arguing against the delay in this case. And Trump has made this request again. And in a court filing this week, they wrote, quote, that the classified materials at issue in this case were taken from the White House and retained at Mar-a-Lago is not in dispute. What is in dispute is how that occurred, why it occurred, what Trump knew, and what Trump intended in retaining them. All issues that the government will prove at trial, primarily with unclassified evidence. So that's new and fascinating, right? Jack Smith claims to know why Trump stole and retained these classified documents. That's very interesting. And in a hearing on Thursday of this week, it was revealed that the government has at least one witness that they plan to call who can testify that Trump's co-defendant, Carlos de Oliveira, lied to prosecutors. And they also have three potential witnesses, including that one, who used to be represented by the same attorney who's still representing de Oliveira. So he was required to sign a conflict of interest waiver. And he now, because he signed that, he can't use that as an excuse in an appeal if he's convicted. So hope he really understood what he was doing. Anyway, I'll let you all know when I hear more. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please like this video, share it with everyone, become a subscriber, become a donor if you can. Love you all. Take care. I'll talk with you soon.